Football season will be here quicker than you think. When planning your football trips, we know that one of the biggest pains is arranging your pregame tailgate party. This season, let gridirontailgates.com take care of all of your tailgating needs. They provide everything for your large private party, including a private party tent, tables, satellite TV, catering, a personal bartender, and setup and takedown. Visit gridirontailgates.com and enter promo code PAC12, P-A-C-1-2, to receive 10% off your group's next tailgate or call 303-359-5328. Gridirontailgates.com are here to make your tailgate experience easy, affordable, and enjoyable. Again, that phone number is 303-359-5328. Gridirontailgates.com. Enter code PAC12. Now available in more homes than the PAC12 network, we are the podcast of champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the podcast of champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we are the Podcast of Champions, talking Pac-12 football. And we actually have football coming up to talk about. Dave and I are very excited. I'm sure you're excited, too. And if you are, you just want to like get something off your chest, you want to write to us, you want to call us, you can do all that. You can email us, pac12podcast at gmail.com. You can call us or text us at 424-532-0678. And if you want to tweet at us, you can do that too, at pac12podcast. Of course, all of our old episodes are are on Twitter. Uh, I'm sorry. Our Twitter is at pac12podcast. All of our old episodes are on the web, the internet thing, pac12podcast.com. So a lot of ways to get a hold of us. We got a lot of emails. We got a bunch of tech. We got all kinds of stuff that came in, Dave. We're done with our previews, and now we're ready to actually talk about games. Yeah, but I mean, first I want to touch on something. It's an important piece of news. How, how was the show last week, Ryan? Did you have a good time? Uh, well, I think the, the overall fee- the overwhelming feedback was best show ever. Um, yeah, I, I can I can understand that we've that. ever done, and I don't know why that would be. If it's just because the Washington school, there's a lot of intrigue there, or it must have been, must have been, uh, couldn't have been anything else. Yeah, I mean, maybe because you weren't here that that's why it was. I don't. I don't know. I just it just seemed to run smoothly. Uh, you know, Fetters and Bolton were awesome. So no, it was good. <laughs> we had a great time. It was. Uh, yeah. So we. Yeah, we, I'll never. I'll, I'm never going to listen to it. <laughs> never doing it. You never did. You didn't listen to it. I'm never going to either. Dang. It'll um, never happen. You know. Yeah. You. That's like the best one. You don't want to like. Yeah. Because then we feel bad about every show you did going forward because you would know you'd never get up to that kind of yeah, level. Yeah, because I'd know, oh, there's the pinnacle. Uh, <laughs> I can never scale that mountain. So might as well just uh, quit, wander off into the woods. <laughs> it was fun. We had a good time, though, um, uh, finishing it up. And it's just now it's crazy time. So what we're going to do, we did all of our team previews. We had a bunch of questions over the last couple of weeks. We didn't get to get to, we got to some, the, the you know specific team stuff. And we might not get to them all. We're going to apologize for that because we have to get. There's a lot to get to because there's 12 teams in the Pac-12. Everybody's playing, so you got to get out there and and we got to preview 12 games, pick 12 games. So we're going to do 
uh, that. And we also want to go over the power rankings, which, Dave, this year we're going to do a little bit differently. Yes. So this year, uh, the 24-7 Pac-12 sites um, have decided to compile um, some power rankings uh, every week throughout the season. Um, So we're going to be using theirs until such point as we start disagreeing with it substantively. And then we might change it up. But for now, we're going to use theirs. Matt Prem from the uh, Oregon site is putting it together every week, drawing on voters from uh, all the Pac-12 schools. So uh, it should be a pretty good and, uh, you know, solidly solid list, I would say. Yeah. Are you um, are you the voter for bro or is Tracy? I believe I believe Tracy Pearson has uh, has handled that duty. OK, well, do you, maybe- because who could count on me to actually fill out a vote? a ballot every single week that's true but are you i want your influence because you're you know you're if i disagree if i disagree substantively i will let it be known okay when have i ever when have i ever been shy about providing my opinion on something (laughs) very true um yeah so okay so i vote and tracy will vote maybe we'll change well i don't know if we get david motivated maybe he'll be the voter for bro but or just give your feedback to Tracy and it's going and from talking to them early. And the reason we wanted to incorporate it is because uh, it will be more of a power ranking, not just like, hey, you think this team is going to be best. Like, you know, w- some years you're going to have I think we had USC the year they went to the Rose Bowl. We had them 12th at one point when they were one and three, you know. Right. And then first at the end. So, like, it's what you're what you look at right now um, and. And what you see is for a power, you know, so they could be, it could be wild, wild swings depending on what they're showing on the field. Right. And the, what have you done me lately right here at the beginning of the season is basically what did you do for us last year and how bad do you look right now? So, yeah. So like if ASU comes out and, you know, looks amazing or if a team comes out and lays an egg, uh, you know, like an Oregon state, if they play terrible against Ohio state, then it's like, well, you kind of expected that. But if they actually, if it's close, like if they lose and it's close, I mean, who knows? They could jump like five or six spots. Like I don't know. They could be number three. Who knows? Yeah, we've 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 moved them around, so I think they will too. We don't want it to be too poly. We want it to be really more powery. So, is that yeah? Are those technical terms poly? And I think power? those are. I think those are. I think anytime you add a y at the end of a word, I think that should really uh, just be its own word. It should be like German. It should be like a very organic language. You can just make a combo word just by adding a y at the end. Ah. I like that. I think it should be. Yeah. Nice. Well, um, should we do our the power rankings? Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to do 12 to 1, 1 to 12? I, I mean, I think we do 12 to 1, yeah. as is the tradition here. Um, so we're not playing. Okay. We're just going to take you guys in front of the curtain and then behind <laughs> the curtain and in front of it. We're not going to play the sound effects during the power rankings. We're going to play those during the previews. Right now, we're just going to list the games. Or the list that lists the teams in order. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. All right. Uh, coming in at number 12, you knew this was happening. Oregon State. Yeah. Uh, dead last. Um, I don't know if they were unanimous, but I think it, it looks like they might have been. So there you go. Uh, yeah. So, and this is like, so you basically get a point for um, every number it's like if you're 12th you get 12 points if you're if someone votes you 11th you get 11 points um so they're 12 out of 12 they have 120 points um so that's that's about as the you know what what's the most you could get here uh oh 144 144 then, right? right yeah so okay so it wasn't unanimous no it was not unanimous that they were 12th but it was it seemed like pretty close yeah 
Okay. But that, that number seems weird. Okay, I don't know. I don't know either. Maybe they only had 10 people actually end up voting. Um, uh, oh, good point. No, well, so like Washington, well, well, never mind. I don't want whatever, to whatever. We're just going to give the order. Yeah. We're, we're going to figure so, out exactly the formula that they were using be- later on. It's like golf. And so the more points you have, it's bad. At 120, they got you know significantly more than anybody else. Yeah, you don't want to be in triple digits here. Yeah. Uh, number 11, you want, let's alternate. Uh, yeah. n- number 11, Colorado comes in at 99 points. So uh, I think we talked about this before, but Colorado, the last five years, I believe it was, finished last in the division, last in the division, last in the division, first in the division, and then last in the division again. So they've only finished first or last. Um, the, according to our power rankings poll, they are projected to finish last again. Yeah, that seems fair. Uh, they had 99 points coming in narrowly behind them at number 10 or ahead of them. Uh, California at number 10. This one I probably slightly disagree with. Me I think too. they're going to be better than 10th. Um, but uh, fair enough. I think there's a lot of um, a lot of equality in the middle ranks of the Pac-12 this year. Um, and Cal coming at number 10. I think they're considerably better than Colorado this year. Um, but this one, this one's fair enough until they show it on the field. They got 95 points. So whatever that actually means. Yeah. It means that they're pretty low. Uh, I, I agree. Yeah. I think that I wouldn't put them all the way down at 10. Uh, I think I had them at least a few spots higher in my rankings, but we'll see. Um, it's a pretty log jammed pack 12 North, which leads us to number nine, Washington state with one point. Uh, fewer, so one point ahead of Cal, ninety-four points. Um, this one, I, you know, I, I probably would have Washington State at ten. I might, I think that's might might have been where I yeah, had them. We'll too. see. Yeah, um, yeah, Washington State, I think is uh is potentially not not good at all this year. Just so many issues, quarterback, and then uh, changeover on defense. It's going to be a tough year, I think, in Pullman. Yeah. Um, you want to take number eight? Yeah, coming in at number eight is Arizona State. Uh, This one I probably agree with. Um, I think that seems about right. Uh, As Chris Cartman told us during the preview show, uh, they're probably getting knocked mostly because of the Herm effect, but they are returning quite a bit on offense. Um, They have a key graduate transfer in Casey Tucker coming in on the offensive line. Uh, Maybe the best receiver tandem in the league in Nikhil Harry and Kyle Williams. So there's a lot to like about that offense. and the Herm effect might not be a, a first-year effect. So I, I, I think they're number eight, and I think they could end up, you know, they could end up even higher than this if they, you know, finish at like a seven and five, six and six level. Yeah, I'm curious to see uh, how they look the first couple of weeks. But they, uh, I think it's UTSA. We'll talk about that in a bit. But um, no one influenced my opinion during our previews more than Chris Cartman. Um, well, maybe, you know, actually both Arizona schools were, you know, learning from uh, Jason Shear that, Arizona they had two scholarship cornerbacks uh, <laughs> that was significant, and then really I think Cartman made some great points about the Herm effect, and uh, where I do feel like long term it's not going to be um, all that good. You know, this year there's just so many pieces in place that uh, they they could do pretty well. So we'll see. That's the one I'm like, Ugh, I picked them last, which I don't think it's. I don't think I don't even know if I did that in this power rankings. I don't think I did, but uh, my my media poll for Pac-12 Media Day, I don't feel good about that. Uh, number seven, the UCLA Bruins, 76 points. So pretty close uh, to where Arizona State is at number seven. Um, 
uh, do we know who the quarterback is yet, Dave, or what's going on there? Uh, it's very likely that it's going to be Wilton Spate. Uh, they haven't announced it officially yet, but that's what the buzz is um, at this point. They're listed as a so couple big upsets on Monday, but the biggest one was UCLA for basically the first time in like seven years actually released what is purported to be an accurate depth chart. Wow. Um because Jim Mora just did not do that. Um, he was big on the secrecy, and and they all and UCLA also announced suspensions, which is not something Jim Mora did either. He suspended guys. He just never announced it, <laughs> and he would spread them out over time, so it was hard to tell whether or not they were suspended <laughs> or just nicked up or whatever. And he would not confirm or deny that they were suspensions. Uh, Chip Kelly came out and announced that six um, guys, all of whom were either starters or in the two deep in spring and into fall camp. Uh, were suspended for the first game, including guys like Sosa Jamabo, Devin Asiasi, Boss Tagaloa, um, Moses Robinson Carr, uh, and a couple others, Oso Digizua, and I'm blanking on the last name. But um, uh, those are all guys who would be significant factors against Cincinnati. Um, but yeah, they, they have not named a quarterback officially, but it looks like it's going to be grad transfer Wilton Spate from Michigan. Uh, okay. Well, as long as like Jalen Phillips isn't hurt, then I, I feel better about their chances. But He's going to be an absolute stud, I think, this year. Don't you think? Yeah, I think he has a real chance uh, to be good. I mean, he's kind of, if you go back to when UCLA was running the 3-4 at the beginning of the Jim Mora era, that's sort of the the way they're running this. And he's basically filling that Anthony Barr role. And he's probably a better athlete than Anthony Barr, which is quite a thing to say. Um, whether he ends up the player that he was is, you know, anyone's guess at this point. But yeah, I think he could have a huge year for playing that position. All right. So we'll so UCLA is coming in at number seven with all those suspensions. Maybe that would move around a little bit. This was made before that, but um, that, you know, somewhere in the middle. So a, yep. a lot of people think UCLA will be. And then into the top half of the conference, this feels a little low to me. Number six, Arizona. Um, this is the Cleo Tate show only feels low again because of the schedule. I don't know how that factors into a power ranking, but I think Arizona's, you know, potentially, pretty explosive offensively with Khalil Tate. Um, Noel Mazzoni is a proven offensive coordinator. Um, I think they'll have a really dynamic offense and uh, they've got a cakeish schedule. So I think they're going to be a top half team the entire year and potentially I, I they're, they're a real South contender, I think with that schedule. Yeah. I think top half team six, five or six, I think is probably about right for, for Arizona. We'll see uh, how they end up looking, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty bullish on the Wildcats going in besides the fact that they don't have a lot of cornerbacks in, in the Pac-12, which apparently, I, I just read about this, they throw the ball a lot in this league. So maybe corners are important. Uh, number five, Utah. Interesting, number five. 49 points. So getting uh, the numbers getting lower. Um, I think they were three and six last year in conference. I do expect that to improve significantly. Um, I did pick them in the Pac-12 media poll to win the South. Uh, we'll see if that's... You know, it's going to Tyler Huntley is just not going to be able to turn the ball over that much, make some explosive plays. Their special teams are really good. Uh, we'll see if that comes to fruition. Yeah, I think that all seems fair. Um, and then coming in at number four, the Oregon Ducks, uh, kind of substantially ahead of Utah here. Yeah. Um, so it seems like there's a big dividing point. So there was a big dividing point between seven and six. It went from 76 points for UCLA to 65 points for Arizona. And then a big dividing point between six and five, Arizona and Utah. Utah had 49 points. And now another big dividing point between Utah and Oregon. So it seems like people have some pretty defined opinions about this top six, especially. Um, Justin Herbert, 
big time quarterback. Um, I, I think we're, we're all kind of banking on him being really, really good this year. Um, there's an interesting question that I hope we can get to about his breakdown of stats versus good teams versus bad teams. And that's not necessarily a pretty look for him. Um, so it's going to be critical for him this year to be able to put up numbers and, and play well against uh, the better teams on the schedule. But uh, Oregon has a lot to lot, there's a lot to like about that Oregon team. So I think this is fair and good. Yeah, definitely a team you want to watch this year because you could see them like, wow, they're competing for the North, or they could be like, wow, they're pretty mediocre. You know, you're just not sure what what you're going to yeah. see. But I 100. Yeah, kind of feel like they can be on the the better side. Five points ahead of uh, the Ducks, uh, Stanford Cardinal comes in at number three, 31 points. So that's a pretty you know low number. Um, you know, Bryce Love is coming back. Uh, J.J. Arcega, Whiteside, uh, K.J. Costello. I mean, there should be some some good pieces on offense. Uh, we'll see what this team looks like. I've, I've just seen projections like kind of all over the map, but um, it's a David Shaw coach team. They uh, don't have to go to Australia this year, so that's good. See if they can beat San Diego State, and they get USC in the second week of the season at home, which will be a huge, you know, they lost to USC early last year and still end up making the the championship game after beating Washington. Uh, we'll see how it goes this year, but then get off to a, a quick start. You know, sky's the limit for this team, probably. Yeah, yeah. I think the big question is that defensive front, whether they have, uh, you know, enough bodies on the defensive line. Once again, they're kind of thin up there. Um, so we, we will see on that. But, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a Stanford team under David Shaw. They should be uh, solid to very good. Um, coming in at number two, USC Trojans. Um, they're not too substantially ahead of Stanford here. 31 points for Stanford, 23 for USC. Um, obviously, the Pac-12 uh, publishers are picking USC, I think, uh, collectively to win the South here. Um, JT Daniels uh, named starting quarterback this week. What did you think of that pick? Yeah, I thought it was really, uh, I mean, the only really logical pick after watching what was going on, you know, he'd only been on campus since June 8th. So it's not like a thing he's been there in the spring. So the fact that he was able to come in and just be that impressive, um, it just seemed like that was the thing to do. I, I didn't feel this was anything about, you know, you're, you're trying to replace Sam Darnold. You put a freshman in there that maybe you'll get more time to be, you know, I, I don't think it was anything like that. He just looked like the best guy. Um, and so he's, it's going to, it's going to start. He'll have two really tough road games, uh, and of his first three starts, and then he'll have a tough one at Arizona in game five. So it'll be a tough September for him. And uh, I think for USC that that month of September is going to kind of define their season. You got to get this young kid acclimated and moving forward. So it should be interesting. Um, what's your biggest question mark at this point for this, uh, this USC team? I think on the offensive line, um, just seeing where they're, you know, they, they have a lot of talent. They have, uh, you know, they're like 15 guys on scholarship, a bunch of guys, you know, four returning, you know, regular starters, other guys with starting experience, uh, the same coach for three years. There's really no excuse. If the offensive line doesn't play well, then they're doing something wrong. So I think that they're going to need the offensive line to play well to help JT Daniels along. Cause you can't just expect a true freshman to come in and make hero play after hero play. And that's pretty much what Sam Darnold did. So, uh, I don't think you can rely on that. You got to run the ball. You got to play pretty good defense. And I think the line has to play good. All right. Uh, then number one. So this appears to be unanimous because 12 points, one point for everybody. If, uh, if I'm doing this math, right, the Washington Huskies. Um, so they were picked the, the, you know, the top team in the league from all of us. Uh, let's see. Eight of the 10 votes placed 
the Huskies first, and two voters who didn't vote the Huskies first have Washington uh, second in the Pac-12. Uh, interesting. So how would they? I'm not. We have to look at this. Maybe there wasn't. Maybe there wasn't uh, enough voters, but eight of the oh, so there's ten voters. The, so ten voters. Okay. So ten voters. So, so ten eight voters. Of, eight got. Yeah, eight picked I'm one. I'm very confused about how they're assigning points. Yeah, I think it's a point per per ranking point. I think only 10 people voted, which I don't like that. We got to fix that. But um, so eight picked them first. So that's eight points. Two picked them second. So that's uh, oh, four gotcha, points. Gotcha, so gotcha, 12. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sorry we didn't like really go through okay. this with a fine tooth comb beforehand. Uh, okay, so Oregon State was unanimously last and Washington was unanimously first. No, Washington was not unanimously first. Two people. Uh, sorry, not unanimously first. Right. God. Wow. Yeah, so only so ten voters. We're ironing out the kinks, everyone. All right. <laughs> so ten voters. It's, it's a math and early season thing. jitters. But I, yeah, I I really should have read through the rules of what these were. But yeah, so only ten people voted, which I'll let's get on them and make sure that changes. Um, and then because they Oregon State had 120 points, that means everyone, all ten people voted them 12. All right. Interesting. Very cool. So that was, I guess we could call that our Pac-12 Roundup. Yeah, I think that's the Pac-12 Roundup, and then we get into our previews. Yeah, and we're going to do, so we do this every year. We make our picks. And if you remember last year, I started off really slow, and Dave was on fire. And then I slowly, slowly kind of took over the lead at the end and ended up beating him again. Uh, But I keep him on my little whiteboard here, which I just hung up yesterday because we had to start the, you know, I moved offices. Uh, 2016? We had some pretty good numbers. 2017, okay. We were still above 500, so not not doing too bad. We're going to try to beat that this year. We do picks every game in the Pac-12 against the spread. And so whatever the spread is at the time, uh, we do it. And we usually don't waver. Like if we pick something and there's some major injury or something that happens later, we don't usually change our picks. But if we, I don't know, we reserve the right to do that at some point. But we wanted to add a different wrinkle, a survivor pool this year, Dave. Yes. Yes. So we're we're going to do our usual picks, picking against the spread. Uh, but then Ryan and I had the thought, why not? We Let's just do a, a full survivor uh, pool throughout the season uh, where the rules are simple. Um, we each pick a winner every single week uh, and we can't pick the same team twice and it has to be a Pac-12 team. Um, so we will... Try to be strategic, and by that I mean Ryan will be strategic, and I will pick things willy nilly um, because <laughs> I I just simply cannot think things ahead. Um, and then we will uh, we will see where we lie. Um, you know, it's very likely, as all survivor pools do, that we will be done by the fourth or fifth week. But who knows? Maybe we'll start it up again at that point. And the survivor pool will be straight up picks, not against the spread. So that'll just be you got to pick the winner, and once you pick a team, you can never pick them again. So. You don't probably want to, you know, if Washington's play at a cupcake, you don't really need to pick them. You could pick somebody else early on. But once the Pac-12 season gets started, I think it'll be interesting. But who knows? We could, lo- yeah, we could lose in, in the first couple of weeks because um, you just never know. You never know in this wild and crazy Pac-12 football league. So we're going to start off. There are, do we have 12 games? I think we got 12 we have games. 12, 12 full games. So we got we to talk about them all. There are the one game on Thursday. Uh, two on Friday, and then a ton uh, on Saturday. So we're going to start off. Uh, the first game is Utah Utes. Take- All right. So this. Oh, sorry. What? Yeah, you do it. You got it. Yeah. I do it. I do it. Uh, <laughs> so this game is on Thursday, August 30th, 
5 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network, Weber State. I feel like that should be Weber State. I'm going to change it to Weber State. I know it's not how you pronounce it, but I'm going to call it Weber State. Uh, Weber State coming at Utah in Salt Lake City. There's no line on this game. Uh, Weber State, uh, I'm falling back into it. Weber State um, won the Big Sky last year. They're not a horrible FCS school. Um, They are replacing a lot. Uh, They're replacing their quarterback, some top receivers. So they might fall down a bit from winning the Big Sky which means that this is probably going to be a Utah bloodbath. Um, I would guess Utah wins by, you know, somewhere in the 21 to 28 point range minimum. Um, But keep in mind, Weber State kept it close with Cal last year. It was, I think it was like a 33-20 game. Um, So not a complete pushover. Um, Should be, as far as an FCS game goes, um, shouldn't be a complete joke of a matchup. Um, So Utah might actually get something out of this, but... Uh, they should win comfortably. I'm going to agree with you there. What do we want to do, Dave, for no lines? Do we want to make up one of our own, or are we just picking straight up? We there's really well, okay. Guess- let's let's make up one of our own. All right. So um, I will say, let's just do it like basically um, whoever's closest to the spread. Um, I will uh, whatever's closest to the final result. I'll say Utah wins, um, thirty seven to 13 37 30 okay so do you want to you want to just do a a point differential or you want to do actual yeah let's do point i'll I'll just say that and my point differential is 24 points okay um interesting okay so we'll do it so our picks will just be we're we're straight up picking them but we'll just do this for a little side thing i guess um try to like so you're gonna say 24 uh i will go 31 points utah's gonna win by okay Okay. Crazy. Right. That's kind of crazy. I know. You have no respect. No respect for the Weber State. Uh, what are they? Once you call them it's Weber like, State, then I was done. You know. Yeah. I think they're Wildcats. How generic. Stupid Wildcats. No offense, <laughs> Arizona fans, but come on. That's like 80 different schools. Be something different. Be something new, Weber Weber yeah. State. So that's Thursday night on the Pac-12 network. Hopefully you get it. If not. If not, just go on living your life. Thursday's slate of games is not very good. <laughs> but you do want to see this. I, it's, um, we're going to get in this mode now, too, where it's like, hey, honey, I got to I got to watch uh, Utah versus Weber State. What? What? Like, yeah, I got. to. Oh, watch yeah. It. No, I'm, I'm going to be fully that crazy person on Thursday, <laughs> staying up till like 1130 Eastern to watch for the finishing touches of this blowout. Nice. Especially if it's like a 24 point game and Utah might score. Oh, right. yeah. You're gonna, it's going to be beautiful. Nice. Be beautiful. All right, so there are that's the Thursday game. There are two games on Friday. First we have Stanford Cardinal. All right, so this game is at 6 p.m. on Friday on Fox Sports 1, San Diego State going at number 13 Stanford. Stanford is favored by 14 and a half points, but let's remember Stanford lost this game last year, uh, dropping one on the road to San Diego State. Now, both teams have changed a little bit since then, and that was a kind of a weird game. Um, They lost by three points on the road. Offense was not humming at that point in the year. They changed quarterbacks after that. So there was a lot that changed for Stanford after that point. But what do you think, Ryan? Is there any chance that Stanford loses this one at home? I don't think they're going to lose this one at home. But that 14 and a half 
really scares me. Um, I'm not big on Stanford covering a lot of the times. So I think I'm going to take the Aztecs in this one. I think I'm going San Diego State plus the 14 and a half. If it was third, if it was under two touchdowns, I think I'd take Stanford. But over two touchdowns, that just seems like a lot to me. Now, that, what this means is Stanford's going to blow them out. But I'm going to go SDSU in this one, Dave. Early season Stanford is rarely humming either. Like, I mean, there have been those instances where it is, but there's also those instances where they lose 16 to 6 to Northwestern on the road, right? So yeah. I don't, I, I think there's a lot pointing to San Diego State in this one. I think the Aztecs also, they're supposed to be pretty good again this year. Uh, not spectacular, but again, like a solid contender in the Mountain West. Um, I just, I'm, I'm having a hard time seeing 14 and a half here. I agree with you. I think it's San Diego State. I think they're, they're going to lose. I, I don't, I don't think Stanford's going to lose this game, but I think it's more like a Stanford by seven to ten. Okay, yeah, that that makes sense. Now, I think if I remember right, Stanford went on to Australia and, and put a did they they beat Rice pretty good, right? Is that what did I remember that correctly? Um, I have I have no recollection of the event in question. Yeah, they, well, uh, yeah, they beat the hell out of them. They beat the p out of them. It was sixty two to seven. Sixty. Okay, yeah. So that was something that you know, like okay, they, they had the bye week, but then they lost to USC. Uh, and then they lost to San Diego State coming back. So they had two road games after that Australia trip, which doesn't seem really great on the Pac-12's part. But um, well, so they, Rice also went one and eleven last year. Yeah, so they did play well in that first one, but yeah. So I, I don't feel bad about this. I think I think you're going to do okay not picking Stanford to cover big spreads, especially against a team that beat them last year. Absolutely. Um, okay, so we're going to move on. Uh, we went from the north. We're going to go to the uh, the Pac-12 uh, South and talk about Colorado Buffalo. All right, so this is a 6:30 game on CBS Sports Network in Denver, so sort of a neutral site. Uh, Colorado versus Colorado State. Uh, Colorado. The line listed here is wrong. Colorado is uh, favored by six points right now. Um, we got our first glimpse of Colorado State last week um, against Hawaii. Um, and Hawaii, which wasn't supposed to be good at all this year, uh, beat them pretty good. Like if you look at that score, if you didn't watch the game, you might be um, thinking, oh, it was a competitive game, just a high scoring thing. But Hawaii, I think at one point had a 37 to 7 lead. Um, and then just kind of went into a prevent, um, which allowed Colorado State to come back. I think Colorado State's a lot worse than people were expecting. They've got an issue. I think their head coach, Mike Bobo, it was in the hospital with some kind of serious numbness and some other issues. Um, so they might be having just uh, some internal problems. Um, they got an actual Pac-12 transfer playing quarterback for them in KJ Carter-Samuels. Um, he put up some good numbers, but he didn't look good when this game was competitive. Um, I... We don't know what to make of Colorado yet, um, but I, I think given how rough Colorado State looked last week that I've got to take the buffs here uh, minus the six. Yeah, I think I feel pretty good under a touchdown on this one. The, the only issue, I mean, Colorado State threw for like 500 yards or something, right, the, against Hawaii. Like it was some ridiculous number. They put up a ton of passing yards there. So I think they you know, they can pose a test to Colorado for sure, but I, I'm getting a feeling. I don't think this is going to be the – Boomer bust year for Colorado. I don't think they're going to finish 
last this year in the Pac-12 South, and I think they can get a win here. I think, you know, seven to 10 points seems like a reasonable, uh, you know, win for Colorado in this one to me. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I don't, I don't know that it'll tell anything great about them because I don't think Colorado State's in very good shape. Um, but uh, a win's a win. Win's a win, and we'll see if your buffs can get that. Um, see if are you on the buff bandwagon? What, what, what's your? I haven't decided yet. I haven't adopted a team yet. I, I don't know if I'll need to yet. All you right. know, there's there's a lot there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, of of games to play before I have to determine that. It's usually a second or third week thing where I adopt a team. Gotcha. Okay. Last year it was sort of just I adopted Tyler Huntley and then he got hurt and I was sad. Previous year it was Colorado about second week. You know, I'm I'm sure I'll I'm sure I'll come to something by next week. All right. Well, those are the the weekday games. Uh, so you, you have one Pac-12 Network game, one FS1, one CBS Sports Network. Then now we're going to move over to Saturday, and you're going to see another Pac-12 North team. Oregon State Beavers. All right. So 9 a.m. on ABC, Ooh. Oregon State, the battle of the OSUs, Oregon State traveling to Ohio State. The disrespect here or the confusion is on ESPN. The line is listed as OSU minus 39. Like huh. what what absolute disrespect to the Pac-12's Beavers right there? <laughs> right. Like you're just, not sure which one, which which team is favored? Because <laughs> you're not only making them 39 point dogs, but you're not even giving them that you have to say Ohio State there instead of o- OSU. Like you're not even giving them that little bit of dignity. Yeah, it's 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 heartbreaking. That's a um, lot of points. That's so many points. So obviously Ohio State's had some offseason turmoil. Um, you don't Urban say. Meyer. Urban Meyer is scum. Um, that whole program is you know like every. Other major college football program has just scum from the neck down, um, <laughs> just pieces of crap. And uh, but they'll probably win this game by thirty nine plus points. Um, it's just a tale of two programs that are at very very different um, levels of talent. Um, you know, Ohio State's in what Myers now sixth or seventh year there, so they're rolling from that perspective. Oregon State's in year one for Jonathan Smith, so they're still installing. Um, I, it's, it's always weird with these huge lines, 39 points seems like a ton, but at the same time it's on the road. Oregon state was bad last year. Ohio state is potentially a national title contender this year. I'll take Ohio state minus the 39, but it's uh, anything could happen. I, but it's, it's not going to be anything less than like a five touchdown win. Yeah. Um, it's, that's so many points. And I, I don't think the Beavers are going to be very good this year. And, but I feel like I just need to pick the Beavers. I'm going to take the 39 points because who knows how, and I think Pac-12 teams have done pretty well on the road recently. Like uh, when Utah went out, was it, no, Colorado went out to Michigan, right? Um, I, you know, I, the game. Yeah, but Colorado been, was 10 and four that year. They finished 10 and four. Yeah. But still, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying like that. I think the Pac-12 teams have played better on the road against some of the big 12 teams early, uh, big 10 teams early the last couple of years. People can look that up if you want. Uh, but it, my, my recollection, if it's, if it's correct. Yeah. Who, who can forget Stanford versus Northwestern? It was close. Yeah. You know, that was, that was a few years ago. Right? <laughs> um, what, who did Utah, did Utah play? I forget who they Utah played. had Michigan at home one year. Uh, I can't remember if they reversed it. Um, 
Yeah. They, they beat Michigan at home. Colorado had like Michigan beat, right? Like they, they could have beat. Yeah. They should have won that game. Yeah. But anyway, so I think that's a lot. There's who knows what's going on. Like, could this Buckeye team come out and they're like so pissed off because their coach is suspended and all that stuff. Um, you know, maybe they come out and play like gangbusters. Maybe there's like, you know, I think there's a decent chance that there's going to be some like mixed feelings in the locker room and it's just not going to be uh, a well-oiled machine for the Buckeyes coming out uh, their home opener. And, you know, who knows? Oregon State might go out and, and play tough. I think if it's a kind of a ugly, lower-scoring kind of game where it's completely dominated by Ohio State, uh, I mean, we saw them play USC last year. They dominated the game, but they didn't score 39 points. Now, USC is not Oregon State, um, but I could see something like that happening where it's it's clearly Ohio State's game, but it's just not going to be by 39 points. So I'll, I'll take the beefs. Yeah, that seems fair. I don't know. We'll see. Who knows? Like this is it's fun. We haven't done this for so long. It's like getting back into you know, especially when you're picking against like Weber State. Like I don't know. I don't know. You know at least you know stuff about Ohio State. You don't necessarily know stuff about Weber State. Yep. Um, all right. So the next game is Washington State Cougars. <laughs> All right, so the big headliner from the day, maybe in the entirety of college football, uh, 12.30 p.m. on ABC, uh, oh, quote-unquote quote unquote neutral site game. Oh, I, I played Wait, the other song. I played the other song. Oh, so. God, I was so ready to go. <laughs> Wait, but it's actually funnier if I say that Washington State-Wyoming <laughs> is the true headliner of Saturday. <laughs> the only problem okay, is just pre- all right, everyone out there, pretend you didn't hear the first part and pretend I told a really good joke and started <laughs> talking about Washington State-Wyoming. <laughs> And actually listen to the sound drop. Um, at 1230 on CBS Sports Network, Washington State going at Wyoming. At Wyoming. And a Wyoming team that looked pretty damn tough uh, against New Mexico State. And that's not your grandma's New Mexico State. New Mexico State was a bowl team last year. And Wyoming in week one beat them 29 to 7. Um, they no longer have the whole Josh Allen thing going on, which might actually help them a little bit because I think they tried to lean into that pass offense a little too much last year to try to showcase him. Um, and he wasn't, he, he simply wasn't a very good passer. Um, so that, um, I don't know if it did anything great for them, but this looks like a kind of a vintage Craig bowl, Wyoming team, great defense. Um, and just enough offense. They ran the ball really, really well against New Mexico state. Uh, it's a different deal going against a PAC 12 school, but, um, that was a little bit of a concern, and it was also on the road for Wyoming uh, and Washington State. Obviously, still a lot, um, a lot's kind of unknown um, about how that defense is going to look, how that offense is going to look with a new quarterback. Um, I'm going to take Wyoming outright. I think they win this game. What's the so? What's the spread? Oh, sorry. Uh, Washington State is favored by 1.5 points. 1.5. All right. I think for all those reasons and more, I will also, I will agree with you and take Wyoming in this one. Do we know, did they name a starting quarterback yet at Washington State? Let us check into so this. We, we should probably know these things, right? We should know these things. Um, I think we are talking about the transfer. We are talking, yeah, Gardner Minshew, looks Gar- like. Yeah, so he was the the transfer that came in. I believe so. Yeah, this is from six hours ago, Seattle Times. They're still referring to him as the likely successor. Okay, so I don't think it's Um, been, yeah. Yeah, so we're not so bad. 
we're not so bad. They and, and their their depth chart does not reveal a definitive starter. So yeah, it's what and, we thought. And I think you know when you were when I was going through the spring pre like watching the spring game and talking about Washington State, I think one of the things that um, we talked about Mike Leach loving to do is having guys that have been in the system for a while. So if it is Minshew, you know, if you bring in someone new. It might take a little while too. He he's done really well with like walk-ons that have been around the program for a while and built up and and kind of learn his system. So you you know, it there could be some difficulties there. So I, there's just a lot of same you know different kind of turmoil, whatever from Ohio State. But there's more turmoil around the Washington State program, figuring out what's going on, going on the road, a team that's already played and it's already won. I could see Wyoming getting the upset here. So I, I agree with you. Cool. All right. Next up, Dave started to talk about this one. Washington Huskies. Okay, the actual headliner. After that really good joke I told in the first one. Um, <laughs> this one is also at 1230 on ABC. You can see how I might get confused if I'm not actually listening to the show I'm um, currently recording. Uh, <laughs> number six, Washington versus number nine, Auburn in a quote-unquote neutral site game. Not really a neutral site game. If you know anything about the South, Auburn is just a short drive away from Atlanta. This game is in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Um, For that reason, I think is part of why Auburn is favored in this one by one and a half points as well. Um, I have so many mixed thoughts about this one. I think Washington is, if you, uh, so put aside our, our long time joking part of this like the quarterback situation I think Washington is just a better team I think they're better constructed um, on both sides of the ball but the issue for me is Jake Browning against an athletic defense Um, an athletic defense with high level talent that's the part where it's tripping me up otherwise I'd feel really really comfortable picking Washington to win this and beat that spread outright Uh, but that's the part giving me pause where are you on this Uh, I'm very similar uh to where you are, Dave, um, you know, as a Pac-12 person, this is the most important game probably of the season for the entire conference. You're going to get it right out of the right out of the gate. You know, uh, if Washington loses this game, especially if they lose poor, you know, badly, it just looks horrible for the entire conference. So I think it's really important. Um, you love Chris Peterson. You love that defense. I mean, they got they got six or seven guys you can play in the secondary. Um, you know, Miles Gaskin's going to go crazy. Uh, but I just feel like Jake Browning's going to have a really great year, but this will be one of those games where he's n- it's not going to be really great. Uh, that's just my guess. So I'm going to, I'm going to take Auburn, you know, laying the, the one and a half in this one, obviously would love to be wrong because you went to back to you know, for the pac 12, but, um, I just, I don't feel super strongly that, that Washington can do it. We'll see, you know, that's, that's why we're doing this. We haven't seen them play yet. Um, I, if they come out and, and play well and beat them by a couple of touchdowns, Washington beats them by a couple of touchdowns, I wouldn't be shocked. But at this point, Jake, like you you said it, Jake Browning against a really athletic, active defense. I'm, I'm just not convinced at this point. Uh, but you also have to factor in the Chris Peterson effect. He's had, what is it, nine months to prepare for this game? Yeah. Chris, Chris Peterson with a ton of time to prepare, I feel pretty good about. Yeah. Um, that he'll be able to scheme around some stuff. Uh, whatever. I'll pick Washington. Yeah. Let's go on the other side. And it's a, it's one and a half points. So I'll pick Washington to win. Look at you. Just a couple years ago, you picked them to win four games and now you're picking them to be a top <laughs> 10 team on the road. 
Like literally, if you're gonna go to the Auburn game, like you fly into Atlanta. Like this, there, this is their their home airport is where yeah. you're going. And like, there's a ton, a ton of Auburn alumni just scurrying around in Atlanta. Just <laughs> that that's this is where they live. So um, it is. It's going to be an ostensible home game for Auburn. Um, but I, I think I think Chris Peterson is going to have him geared up for that, and I think uh, Washington starts its playoff run right here, right now. All right, we'll see. That's a that's a big one. You got to watch that one. Are you, you are not going to go to it, Dave. You're going to watch it at home. No, I'm I'm going to watch this entire slate of games from the confines of my own home. Did you even think about hey? You know, I do a Pac-12 podcast. There's a Pac-12 team in my backyard. I want to go see them. Can I share a dirty little secret that I may have shared a few times? Sure. I don't like watching football in person. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't enjoy it. I like tailgating. I like sitting in a press box on occasion. Yeah. But like sitting in the stands watching a game, eh. Not like, really. Wh- what do you do during the timeouts? You just have to sit there and think about stuff. And I- I'd rather flip to another game. It's a big Saturday. There's lots of stuff going on. It's like, I want to go. There's just not many opportunities to do that when you're covering games like every week. Right. Um, it's just hard. It, But I like, like, if I get a weekend off where I can just go and, like, be a fan and, and go sit in the stands, like, it's kind of fun. But there's also, like, then you're like, oh, I'm not in the press box. I'm not in the blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, I got to park and do all this crap. Like, it's, it is, there's, there's some elements to it where, yeah, it can be fun, but it can also be a pain in the butt. Yeah, exactly. And you miss a lot so, of other stuff, you know. Right, and it's hot. It's always hot. Even in a dome, it's probably hot. Oh, I covered my first high school game Friday, and it was just like, just bad memories coming back. Like, oh, God, doing this again, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and it got cold, too. But I had, like, the greatest highlight. Like, you will appreciate this. So um, Jordan uh, Wilmore, who's a running back, he's four-star in 24-7, uh, committed to USC last weekend and, uh, he's placed for a Lawndale, which is like a small program, but it's right near my house. He, they punt, the, you know, he, they're playing Sierra Canyon, punt the ball down to the one. So he gets on the one yard line. I turned the reporter next to me and go, I think he's going to go 99 yards. He does. He goes 99 yards and I'm in the opposite end zone. So he's running right <laughs> at me and I'm filming it the entire time. And he's like, as he gets close to me, he does like the fight on and points to me and stuff. Like it was like the, you know, like I couldn't go like a whole three seasons without getting a highlight like that. So it was kind of good. Beautiful. That, yeah. It was kind of good when you do yeah, these things, great. like you, you just hope for sometimes you film a safety who just moves laterally a lot and then doesn't do anything. And you're like, Oh great. I, I spent my whole Friday night filming a guy who did nothing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which kind of sucks. That's uh, fun. Yeah. But that's always good. It was a good highlight. Uh, all right, so the next game up, we're staying on Saturday. California Golden Bears. All right, so this is at 1 p.m. on Big Fox, uh, North Carolina, UNC, traveling to Cal uh, to take on the Bears. Cal is favored by seven points. They won this game a year ago. Um, North Carolina should be a little bit better than they were last year, but Cal also should be a little bit better than they were last year. Um I think I like Cal here. Um, I think I like him minus the seven. I don't know. You know, I think there's a big unknown with North Carolina, just how they're going to rebound from basically an everything going wrong and everyone getting hurt year last year. Um, They're probably going to be substantially better than they were. Um, If they're not, Larry Fedora is going to be fired very, very hard. Um, But um, I think they're, 
potentially decent enough. They might even be a bowl team this year. Um, I just think Cal at home um, is going to you know, just be a little bit more solid than they were last year. Or they're going to be another year into the schemes on offense and defense. Um, not a super talented team, but I think they'll be really well coached. And I think they're more than capable of, of uh, beating a middling ACC school at home in the opener um, by, by seven points. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I'll take Cal too. I feel a little bit better under seven, but I mean, I, I think the worst you're going to be is a push. I mean, well, I mean, they could play bad, of course, but um, you know, maybe a little bit of a revenge factor, but I like it that it's at home. The fact that they were able to go out in the road. And I think Justin Wilcox showed, you know, he, he was a pretty good early season coach, you know, early in the season coach. And uh, they did well last year. So I think that gives you a little bit more confidence going into this one. Uh, you expect them to be better when we, when, you know, the power rankings came out and we both saw a 10, we felt that that was wrong. If they're ranked higher than that, they should beat North Carolina at home. So I'm going to pick the Golden Bears. Um, I think this is going to be starting maybe a little run for them. So let's take Cal. Uh, I think they went by like 10 to 14. So seven, seven seems good to me. Cool. Um, neat. Huh? All right. So we agree on that one. Next up, we have USC Trojans. All right. Another game opposite another game. It seems like they did. I mean, it's like the TV schedule. We have two. 12.30 games, two 1 p.m. games. So four games are basically going to be going concurrent to each other. Um, UNLV traveling to USC, number 15 USC. Uh, this will be on the Pac-12 network at 1 p.m. USC is favored by 26 points. Um, UNLV, here's what I know. They've got a good offense, or it should be a pretty good offense, uh, probably a pretty crappy defense, um, but they... They're prob they're they're gonna be a contender for a bowl game this year. They've definitely gotten out of the cellar um, in that conference, so they're not exactly chopped liver. Um, what are you? What's your take on this one? Do you think how's USC's? I mean, I know USC's defense always gets a lot of hype. What do you think of the defense this year? Do you think it's potentially an elite unit? And uh, will it be able to completely shut down a pretty good Mountain West offense? You know, I think it's going to be an elite unit. The question is going to be, do they still give up big plays? Uh, they force a lot of negative plays, but are they going to give up the big ones? So um, that's a lot of points for me, for an opener, for a true freshman starting the first game. Um, you know, last year they didn't look that good in the opener against Western Michigan. But, you know, the other openers prior to that, I think they've looked pretty good. Uh, because there's so many kind of X factors and my norm is to not pick USC to cover the spread because they're usually not very good at doing that. I'm going to take UNLV and the points here. I'm going to, you know, that could change if this team comes out and JT Daniels looks like he's amazing and they, you know, they win, you know, they, they beat this team by a lot and, and maybe beat Stanford. Then I might change my tune. But for now, I'm going to stick with my, you know, mantra to, uh, you know, USC is probably not covering bigger spreads. And uh, so I'll take UNLV in this one, Dave. I'm, I'm going to do the same. Um, I think they'll, you know, it's everyone's going to be ironing out some kinks at the beginning of the season, starting a freshman quarterback. There's just going to be, you know, they'll they'll probably be a few growing pains. I still think USC is going to win this by three touchdowns. Twenty six just kind of feels. Yeah. Yeah. It feels just like a lot. Yeah, they could. I mean, yeah, they could win it by, you know, 28 or, or more. I mean, that certainly is possible. But I just feel like they'll, it'll be one of those things where they're doing well. They're, it's it's in control. And. They don't necessarily come out by, you know, and they would play some younger guys later on. I, I just don't see it being some huge blowout kind of thing. Right. We'll see. All right. Uh, next up, we have UCLA Bruins. 
All right, so this game is on at 4 p.m. on ESPN, so you'll be able to watch all of that 1 p.m. and 12.30 p.m. slate before this one kicks off. Uh, Cincinnati traveling to the Rose Bowl to take on the Bruins. Uh, UCLA is favored by 15 points. It opened at 17, and then it moved down a little bit, I think, after those suspensions were announced. Um, uh, So Cincinnati, um, I've been doing the preview, um, first half of which is going to come out tomorrow. They're going to be better than they were last year. They were four and eight last year. Um, we're not great. Uh, first year for uh, head coach Luke Fickle. Um, the defense should be more than solid. Um, they return eight starters, bunch of production. Uh, offense is still going to be a work in progress because they lost a whole bunch of guys. I think it was like seven or eight starters. So it's tough to say exactly what Cincinnati's going to be this year, but they probably will be a contender for a bowl game. Not very good. It's probably the game that UCLA is going to be favored by the most points in this entire season. Um, but even still with the suspensions for UCLA with, I don't know what that offense is going to look like with potentially Wilton Spade as the starter. I'm as skeptic. I'm, whatever level of skepticism is reasonable for, you know, a coach with the accolades of Chip Kelly, I'm a little skeptical of a pass centric college offense from him. And that's what Wilton Spate is probably going to be doing. Um, so I, I just, I'm wondering what that's going to look like. I have too many questions about the UCLA offense at this point to have them covering a 15 point spread. So I'm going to take Cincinnati. I think UCLA wins, but I think it might be just a little bit more of a struggle than we're anticipating at this point. And remember, Chip Kelly and his opener as the head coach at Oregon lost 19 to eight to Boise State. Now, that was a really good Boise State team, but scoring eight points for Chip Kelly offense is not a uh, a regular occurrence. So if the offense isn't humming in game one, no reason for panic. But it's also, you know, maybe to be expected. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Cincinnati will be a little bit better this year. Um I think UCLA is going to be good. I think it might just take a little while. The opener, I, you know, of course it's at home, but I, I'm going to agree with you on this one. I'm going to take Cincinnati on the points. That's just a lot of points. Um, we'll see if UCLA comes out and wins by 35. It's like, okay, hey, there, there's something going. I would feel, you know, I'd be impressed uh, by something like that. But I just feel like it'll be like a 10-point win or something like that, um, something less than two touchdowns. So I, I'll take Cincinnati in the points here too. Just more of a kind of wait and see. More times than not, I think they would not cover the spread. So we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, we agree there. We've agreed a lot. Uh, let's see. Let's go. The next game is Oregon Ducks. All right. This one is 5 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network. Bowling Green traveling to Eugene to take on number 24, Oregon. So this one is a little interesting for me because Oregon is favored by 33 points, but Bowling Green is not trash. Like they're, they're probably going to be in the range of a bowl team this year. Um, you know, easy six and six is possible. Um, I, 33 points is a ton of points for an Oregon offense that, yeah, Justin Herbert's really good. Um, but it's a kind of a newly constructed offensive staff. They don't have the same play caller as a year ago because Willie Taggart's gone. They're kind of blending in more of a pistol offense, which is essentially kind of a new thing. Uh, they weren't running as much pistol last year. Um, this feels like a ton of points. I'm taking Bowling Green here just because I 33 points in a game like this against a, what should be a solid enough bowl team in Bowling Green. Um, that just feels like 
maybe more respect than Oregon has quite earned yet. So I'll take Bowling Green here. Yeah, just I, I, I agree with your logic, but my gut's telling me that this is going to be some kind of Oregon's going to roll over a team, but especially a team with green in their name. Come on. I think they're just going to roll <laughs> over them. So um, you think they're going to bowl green? <laughs> they're going to bowl, they're going to bowl them over. You know, because it's at home and I think you can just, it could start to, uh, you can get the avalanche effect going on. So I, I don't know. I just have a feeling that even though, you know, I think Bowling Green, like you said, they, they, they could make a bowl this year. Um, I'm not sure exactly what to expect out of Oregon. I think Herbert's going to come out on fire. Uh, this team's going to try to to put up a lot of points where there's other games where I'm not sure UCLA uh, or even USC, like, are they, they're just trying to like get things going and, uh, you know, look pretty good. They're not really, I, I don't think they would be caring about beating the spread. I kind of get the feeling that Oregon wants to get off to a really good start and just show people like, Hey man, we're still Oregon. We're back. Um, and try to make that run in the Pac-12 North. I feel like they would want to beat the spread where maybe say the other games where I took, um, I took, you know, the, the points, I didn't feel like that the favorite team really that's, you know, f- foremost on their mind. So I think Oregon wants to do that. They just want to come out and put on a show and I think it's going to be by scoring a lot of points. So I'll take Oregon. All right. All right. You're wrong, but that's fine. I, I very you're comfortable. Well. You're comfortable and confident being wrong. And that's what I like about you. Yeah. I don't mind it. I don't mind it at all. Um, all right. This is going to be a good one. We have Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> yeah. So this one's uh, guy. The opener of the Herm era is just making me smile right now. Um 7.30 p.m. on Fox Sports 1, UTSA traveling to Tempe to take on ASU. Uh, the Sun Devils are favored by 18 and a half points. Uh, UTSA, uh, led by Frank Wilson, uh, good coach. Uh, they had a rough end to last year offensively, and now they're replacing basically everything offensively. Quarterback, running back, receivers, offensive line, coordinator, the whole thing. Um, their defense should be pretty solid, though. Um, it should be a nice enough test for ASU's, uh, I think potentially very good offense. Um, UTSA is, you know, not as much of a challenge offensively and that should play well for Arizona state, which is, uh, not as strong defensively. So, um, I think it's a, it's a, it's basically going to be how quickly can Arizona state put up points against what should be a quality UTSA defense, um, UTSA shouldn't. I. I, I don't. I, I think in that battle between a Pac-12-ish bad defense and a you know whatever division UTSA is in, um, <laughs> bad offense. Um, I think the the bad Pac-12 defense probably wins that one. So I think they'll be able to hold down UTSA from a points perspective. It's just a question of whether they'll be able to score enough to cover this eighteen and a half. ASU wins, um, but eighteen and a half feels like too many. So I'm going to take UTSA in those points. All right. Another uh, another one we're going to differ. I'm going to take her. I'm going to and the church of Herm. I'm going to kneel in the <laughs> church of Herm. Uh, listen to what Chris Cartman said. Uh, they were not going to be bad this year. Uh, the, the offense should be really good. I think you're going to see a lot of Wilkins to Harry, and they score a bunch of points. I see them at least winning by 21, but I feel like this will be a game where they, they do pretty well. Um, UTSA has played, you know, the teams for you know power five teams pretty tough though over the, the years. last time the last time they traveled to Arizona State they lost by four yeah. two years ago yeah they they uh, played this team tough too so yep. I just that you know this isn't Tom this is this isn't the Graham coach team this is the Herm coach team so I think 
they're going to come out and do some good things in the first game. I still think long-term, not good, but I'm going to take ASU. Uh, laying those points, man, am I going to feel stupid when uh, they lose at home to UTSA. But Herm, I'm trusting you right now. And then if it doesn't work, I'm not going to trust you for the rest of the year. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. So that's 11. We got one last uh, team to preview. Here we go. Arizona Wildcats. All right. This one is at 745 on Saturday on ESPN. BYU. Um, basically a de facto member of the Pac-12 because they're playing like 15 Pac-12 teams every year. I don't know how it works out. The math checks out. Um, going to Arizona in Tucson. Arizona favored by 11.5 points. BYU was god-awful last year. Uh, horrendous. Um, they should be a little bit better this year, but the question is whether they're going to be even good enough to make a bowl. Uh, Kalani Sataki has had some trouble there. Um, they went... I think it was four and nine last year because they played Hawaii. So they had an extra game to lose in that slate. Um, but they were, they were really, really bad offensively, um, really struggled to score points against any kind of quality defense. Now, Arizona doesn't have a great defense, but they were, I mean, BYU was struggling to score against basically everybody. East Carolina held them to 17. Utah held them to 13. LSU shut them out. Portland State held them to 20. Um, they really, really struggled to score points. They lost 16 to 10 to UMass last year. Um, so I think Arizona, even not having a great defense, um, I don't think they have to be worried about BYU outscoring them. Um, Arizona's offense, I think can, uh, really make trouble for that BYU defense. BYU, uh, their teams generally tend towards being big and strong, but not necessarily fast. Um, and against the Cleo Tate, uh, led offense, I just don't think that's a good, uh, mix. So I like Arizona to cover this 11 and a half pretty easily. Yeah. Um, Arizona has Cleo Tate, so Arizona, so we're going <laughs> to he'll throw or run for five touchdowns in this game. One or the other. So yeah, they'll, they're going to cover this one. I'm, I'm pretty high on Arizona this year. Um, I think they come out and, uh, and play really well. So. Give me Arizona. It's I, at least two touchdowns. I would think they're going to win by in this one. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't mind laying eleven and a half in this one. I feel pretty confident. All right. So we got to pick our survivor games. Yes. Okay. So real quick, I'll go over. Um, so looking at this, it looks like one, two. So only two Pac-12 teams were not favored. So Oregon State and uh, and Washington, right? Right. So the only two underdogs. Uh, there's some pretty big spreads. One of them's Oregon State, like that's not, but we have to pick a Pac-12 team to win, right? It's not like you can pick against Oregon State or anything. Um, right. But the the Oregon Bowling Green game is the biggest spread at thirty three, um, and f- as our picks go, um, we have let's see, I think we have four that are different. We have uh, Washington and Auburn. I have Auburn. You have Washington. Um, I have Oregon. You have Bowling Green. And I have Arizona State and you have UTSA. So, okay, so we only have three that are different, it looks like. Oh, no, uh, yeah, Ohio State, Oregon State. We said that too, right? Did I miss mm-hmm. that one? Okay. All right, so we have three different picks. We have a wide range of sp- point spreads. Where are you leaning towards your survivor pick, or do you want me to go first? So I've got a few different options. Uh, the The thought process is basically this. Um, if I think this is going to be a long game, um, I want to be a little bit more strategic. 
like UCLA might be a good pick this week because they're not going to be favored in like a great deal of they're not going to have many big spreads this year ever. So if I was going to pick a UCLA, this would be the week because this is the game where they will be favored by the most. Right. Right. Um, but I, is there a scenario where UCLA loses to Cincinnati? Yes, that's alive. <laughs> so I don't necessarily want to take that risk in week one if I think this is going to be maybe a shorter game. So then I look at the bigger spreads and which teams have the hardest schedules among those big spreads, the ones where I would be least likely to pick them again. Um, and looking at that, I think my pick is going to be the always volatile and thus usually pretty scary to pick USC Trojans. Really? Wow. Okay. Yes. I will pick USC in game one to beat UNLV. Okay. I'm kind of, you know, I'm similar boat, but I'm playing the long term here. I, I, I do want to be strategic, so I'm not worried about losing week one. Sure. It would make our segments a lot shorter. Um, I have to do with this, but I was leaning, uh, I looked at, um, you know, maybe UCLA, uh, like the Utah Weber State, but I think I could take Utah a little bit later on. But they have a really tough schedule, so it might not be bad to to get rid of Utah right away. Yeah. Um, but I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stay on the Herm train and go ASU. 18 Damn. Half point, Eighteen and a half point favorite over uh, UTSA. I don't think that's a nil possibility of a loss there, buddy. Certainly not. No. I mean, that's. I think that's a risk. That's a risk move. But that's you, that's that's impressive. It's a little risky, but I'm gonna yeah. I'm I'm in on Herm, so we'll see how that works out for me. You are all in on Herm. That's that's incredible. I'm Chris Cartman convinced me that they'll be pretty good this year, just not going forward. So I'm gonna look uh, what the percentage. So I'm gonna look at ASU's advanced stats preview for this year because I want to see what their percentage likelihood of a win there is. Okay, based on those stats. So they're only a 78% win probability in that game, according to Bill Connolly's S&P Plus. Really? What are some of the other ones? like? I'd have to look them all up. Oh, sorry. We don't do that. Uh, yeah. I mean, he has it as like a 14-point spread, 13 or 14-point spread, 78% win probability. The um, So I my buddy was doing – he doesn't follow college football at all. He's doing a, a, a uh, pick em league or whatever where it's like, it's like fantasy, but you just pick teams. And you only, mm-hmm. you know, and so they go through. So I just told them like, well, go to Bill Connolly's like, you know, uh, S and P plus rankings. Right. And so you could, so like if the first pick would be, I think they had Ohio state ranked one, which I thought was weird, but, um, would you think that was the right way to go for something like that? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. It's like, you know, he takes into account everything. Right. So, you know, kind of go from there. So I, yeah. So oh, I yeah. told him, hopefully he did well in his draft. Yeah. Um, nice. Well, should we get to some questions? Yeah, let's get to some. Um, we've probably we could probably cut through a lot of these. Let's start at the top and work our way down in kind of a reverse of previous weeks because as we get further down, they'll probably get a little bit more dated and we just won't ask them. Okay. So, all right, so I'll start with Jacob's question here at the top. Okay. All right, this just came in 12 minutes ago. Hey, Ryan and Dave, that Washington, Washington State podcast was awesome. Definitely <laughs> Dave's best show. Thanks. Thanks, Jake. <laughs> Uh, my question, which Pac-12 team do you guys think will most likely come out of week one looking better than expected? And which team do you think will most likely look disappointing compared to their preseason expectations? Ooh, good one. Um, 
Well, I got to go with ASU to start because I'm I'm kind of all in on them. So they're going to be better than 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 I think. Um, and I might go UCLA with you know I picked Cincinnati in that one. That I think they're going to be. I think they're not going to be as good in the beginning of the season, but it's not going to be. It's just going to be them getting things going. Chip Kelly getting things going. So I don't think mm. I don't think UCLA will be like all that impressive performance when they'll win. And I think ASU will look better. So I'll, that's that that'll be my picks. I will go with Cal for most likely to look better than people are expecting Ooh, um, like in it. week one. Um, I think our power rankings didn't they have them at ten? So um, I think that they will look better than that. Uh, most likely that'll look disappointing compared to their preseason expectations. Um, it's got to be somebody with actual expectations then, right? Um, I'll say Stanford. Okay. Well, just because people have them as like a top 20 ish team and they might be, I I'm just, I'm, I'm struggling to see it. I think they're more like a seven and five, eight and 14 this year. So okay. I'll go Stanford. Yeah. I don't think UCLA has very high expectations. So maybe that's not. A yeah. That's, for. that's the part. Like I, I do think they might be a little bit more of a struggle fest in week one, just because of the suspensions than people might've otherwise suspected. Yeah. Uh, certainly more than I would have suspected prior to those suspensions being announced. Um, but um, I don't know if they have real expectations anyway. And we have a second part of this question. Finally, I propose that if Jake Browning wins the Heisman this year, Dave has to do an entire podcast in an English accent using his favorite soccer terms throughout the show. Furthermore, he has to name his next child after Jake Browning's hometown, the crown jewel of the greater Sacramento area, Folsom. So he can forever be reminded of the man with the greatest noodle arm in all of the land. But here's the thing about Jake Browning's hometown, though, Jake is that Folsom, if I named my kid Folsom, everyone would be like, oh, you're a huge Johnny Cash fan. And I'd be like, yeah, that's why I named my kid Folsom. So I would come out the winner there. Like, I would feel okay about this. So Folsom, yeah, I I don't think that's a great strategy. I think I would look um, uh, cooler than I actually am. So Jake says, thanks for the awesome podcast, guys. Thanks, Jake. But I also can't do accents for that long. Yeah, that would be very hard to do. to try to do that all that time and use soccer terms and name right. your kid. That seems like a lot for a free podcast. You know, Jake's so, asking a lot from, from just a random guy on the internet. <laughs> name your kid something. Yeah. But Folsom, as far as like, you know, city names go, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. A little fully. The fully. Yeah. That's a, there's yeah. a big prison in Folsom, right? Like that's what they're known for. Yeah. Folsom County Prison, I believe. Yeah, Folsom, Folsom Prison. Nice. Uh, Anthony wrote in. He just says it's a podcast question, which is perfect. That's why we're here. Ryan and Dave, thank you for asking my questions to the 24-7 contributors. Which team outperforms expectations in the Pac-12? And he says Clemson's starting defensive line was all ACC preseason team. Would Clemson's starting defensive line be all Pac-12 preseason team? Yes, without looking at it. What? what? Yes, yes, they yes, would. They're. All of them. Well, here's the thing: it's like US, the, the like USC had got a couple, you know, good defensive players coming back. I was talking with Kyle Bonagora about this too because I, I did a Pac-12 preview for some from other some other podcast had me on. Who's like the star defensive player coming back? You know, in um, the entire league. Yeah, like who's the? Yeah, who is it? Like, there's a lot of stars that are gone. Um. But there's just not a lot of dudes, you know, that are, especially on the defensive line. So, yeah, I would say. Um, yeah, who is it? Like Greg Gaines? Like, I mean, it's like some 
it's like the understudy to whoever was really good at a variety of different schools this yeah. year. Like, yeah, well, Utah have some, yeah, I mean, they'll have some guys, um, but you know, like the Hercules, Mataafa, the Vita Vey, yeah. like all those, those, there's just a lot of guys, you know, Harrison Phillips, all those dudes are gone. So the question being like, who's the stud defender coming back? It's a little harder to answer, you know? So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think Clemson's defensive line is ridiculous. Uh, Dexter Lawrence and Austin Bright, all those guys. So yes, uh, we'd pick them. And then which teams outperforms expectations? We kind of did that in the first one, right? Um, yeah, I, I guess overall is a slightly different question. We were saying week maybe, one. I would probably go Cal with that overall. Like I think they'll be a little bit better. Like you, that's yeah. kind of your answer there. But yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I don't think ASU is going to be like Cal or AS, ASU um, as a overall. I think ASU is going to be better than the last team in the Pac-12, which is what they were picked at media day. So yeah, yeah. so they'll be better than that. But I, I just, I uh, will see. All right. And then he asks that final question. Oh, wait, crap. Did I miss? Uh, oh, which quarterback Ooh. battle do you find more interesting, Alabama or UCLA? I don't find anything interesting about Alabama ever. Yeah. So UCLA by default, but like nothing is interesting about Alabama. It's a machine that just is good every year. And both of the quarterback options they have are good. Like Jalen Hurts, like, I don't know. 95% of college teams would kill for him, right? True. And to attack of Ola, 99% would kill for him. So that's not interesting to me. <laughs> like, those, are very, those are very different when you're talking about a new coach, new system, you know, quarterbacks that, you know, freshmen, like yeah. people, like these are two guys that were playing in the national championship game last year. So that's a, that's a way different comparison. Yeah, I don't I, I really don't care what laser system the Death Star picks, right? <laughs> like I just don't care. Uh, this one's gonna whereas, have a green like, hue and this what, one will <laughs> Yeah. But what I like what that pop, analogy. Yeah. Yeah. It's just uh that doesn't matter to me. UCLA, um, this quarterback battle I think is interesting because it's a lot of imperfect options. You've got Wilton Spate who has the experience, but I don't know if he's any kind of fit for what Chip Kelly was in college before um you have devon modster who has some experience some athleticism uh but he's a long ball thrower in what will probably be a short throwing offense um because most tempo offenses are and then you have dorian thompson robinson who probably has the best set of skills for chip kelly but he just does not have a lot of experience playing football period he's a true freshman and he only started a year of high school football at quarterback um, so it's just a question of whether he has the reps, um, and chip Kelly for all the credit he gets for playing young guys and playing talent. If you look back at it, he didn't play a whole lot of true freshmen. He played a lot of redshirt freshmen, um, but not a whole ton of true freshmen. So I think he might be a little bit leery of that. Um, I think he might lean a little bit more on experience than even I was initially thinking. So, um, that's, that's interesting to me because it is imperfect options. Alabama has perfect options and they can choose the most perfect one. Yes. Which color, which which laser system they use? <laughs> right, <in> the Death Star. <laughs> right. Um, all right, and this is from Nick. And Nick from Cyprus. Prediction for Week One. Hi, this is Nick from Cyprus, Cyprus, aka Big Nick Twenty One USC from the P. Shout out to Ryan, volleyball player Abraham, and David, the bearded one. Woods Week One predictions. Thursday, Utah over Weber State. Friday, Stanford over San Diego State. Colorado over Colorado State. Saturday, the lying Urban Myers over the Beavers. 
Auburn over UW, Washington State over Wyoming, USC over UNLV, Cal over the test cheating, crying Michael Jordan memes, UCLA over Cincinnati, Oregon over Bowling Green, ASU over UTSA, Arizona over the Mormon Church. That would be a 10-2 and in non-conference, but the two games we really needed to win, we lost, but we beat the dud teams. Can't blame OSU for their loss. And Jake Noodle Arm will cost UW versus an athletic Auburn team, especially because they're not traveling for this game. Fight it, on. Interesting. Um, he didn't insult you. He no, did, no, just it the was bearded fine. one. I was just the bearded one. He's back to he's back to uh, just giving us the uh, the old school names. Huh. All right. Um, thanks for that, Nick. I think yeah, pretty good picks there. We'll see how the Pac-12 does. Uh, we got Jimmy. Oh no, John from Washington D.C. Um, Herbert stats. So there's a, this is a little bit of a chart. He said, Ryan and Dave, first off, thanks for the great work on the pod, uh, podcast of champions POC. I grew up on the West coast, but having since moved to the East coast, I get a lot of good information from your podcast. Hard to find good PAC 12 info out here. I've listened to and read a ton of PAC 12 preview pieces this off season. And the hype for Oregon seems to be building by the day, mostly based on quarterback, Justin Herbert. I went back and looked at some of the game by game stats and found some interesting things. There may not be one perfect way to measure the effectiveness of a defense, but according to S&P Plus team defensive rankings, in Herbert's 14 games as a starter, not counting the game he got injured last year, he's faced seven defenses in the top 50 and seven outside of the top 50. Here are the splits. So the top 50, he completed 64.4% of his passes for 1,600 yards, 12 touchdowns, six picks. Um, there are two and five in those games. His QBR is uh, about 60, 59.6. Outside the top 50, he completed about the same, 65.6% for 2,160 yards, 21 touchdowns, only three picks. Um, and his QBR from ESPN was 82.8, and they were 5-2 and two in those games. So my question is, is all the Oregon and Herbert hype warranted given the fact that Herbert seemingly seems to actually somewhat struggle versus top defenses? Thanks again. John in D.C. Well, these are relative struggles. I would say these aren't absolute struggles. I mean, having a 12 to 6 touchdown to interception ratio isn't horrific. Um, it, what the stats don't show here, which I think is the most interesting part of this, is yards per pass attempt. Um, in Against the top 50 defenses, uh, he's averaging something like 7, 7 uh yards per pass attempt and against the teams that are outside of the top 50 is averaging 10. So he's definitely cleaning up against the bad defenses. And I, I think that probably means he's throwing deep a little bit more in addition to getting more big plays out of his receivers, just, you know, whether they're catching a short ball or a long ball, they're making plays. Um, so I think, you know, maybe he's taken a little bit more of what the defense gives him against top 50 defenses and top 50 defenses just aren't giving him a whole lot. Um, not making too many mistakes, but they probably need him to take more shots and play more like a big time guy against top 50 defenses. And those are not they're not bad stats. They're not big time stats. So I get I completely get uh, John's point here. Um, and I think he's going to need to step up in a major way. Um, what I would be interested in seeing is the splits for um, Jake Browning, the same kind of splits, because I would imagine it doesn't look too different. Um and that would be interesting to compare those two from that perspective um, because Herbert definitely has a different narrative around him. Um, and so if, if they're similar stats, that's just a, that's just an interesting note. 
Ryan? It is. And I think it's not that wildly off. I mean, the three yards per you know attempt, uh, that's significant. But I think if you look at any quarterback, if it was split down the middle, the best defenses, the worst defenses, you're going to look a little bit better against the, the worst defenses. So I, I don't yeah, think it's absolutely. all that crazy. Um, but yeah, we'll see. It's, uh, I'm a little higher on Oregon after just doing this preview. So I'm sorry. I'm on the Justin Herbert bandwagon. He has huge hands, Dave. I don't know if you know that, but he just huge hands, huge hands. So big hands. Yeah. Yep. All right. This is from Jeff USC class of 1994. He leads us off USC sanctions. Uh, you guys did a great job of keeping us entertained during the summer. This off season actually went by rather quickly with all the great podcasts you guys gave us to listen to. Oh, Dave, I hate you less every week. That's all you can Aww. ask for. Yeah, that's all I ask for from anybody in life, family, whatever. Um, Dave, now that I've buttered you up, I actually have a question for you. What is your opinion of the sanctions imposed on USC almost a decade ago? As a USC fan, I think I share in the belief that the NCAA was over the top unfair in their punishment towards USC, and I'm still pissed. But I want to know your opinion as a fan of a fellow Pac-12 school. When we were sanctioned, the entire nation rejoiced, and the rest of the Pac-10 seemed to jump on the bash USC bandwagon. The Pac-10 and Larry Scott didn't lift a finger to back USC and stand up to the excessive punishment. Scam Newton's dad got paid by a booster to go to Auburn, and it took the NCAA a week to decide that he was clear to continue playing. Miami and Fat Paul, with their blatant cheating, got absolutely no punishment. UNC creating phantom classes for their athletes for years, etc. The list goes on and on. Reggie Bush's dad got free rent from a scumbag agent with no ties to USC. So I ask you, Dave, in your unbiased opinion... What are your thoughts on the sanctions suffered through by USC? And was it fair that the rest of the Pac-10 either stood by or celebrated USC's punishment? Should USC fans continue to be pissed off by what the NCAA did? Can you make assumptions for the other Pac-12 fan bases and their feelings on what the NCAA did to USC? Since you guys are, for all intents and purposes, the voices of Pac-12 football, Jeff. All right. So this is actually a really good question. Um, I'm going to start with the ending part. Can I make assumptions for the rest of the Pac-12? Yes, you will absolutely get no sympathy from anyone else in the Pac-12. Um, that's just how fandom works. Um, also, I think the fact that USC has been the dominant program in the Pac-12, you know, you're just going to get some shade and fraud when things happen to you. All right? That's just going to happen. Um, and I think it probably does yeah, affect the judgment a little bit. Um, now, if I'm splitting it out from, like, rational person perspective and, and getting out of the mindset of, you know, guy who grew up a UCLA fan. Let's just let's just put our cards on the table. If I'm splitting that out, I would say, yeah, in light of everything that's gone on at every other school in the country and the way they have been punished versus the way USC was punished, it does seem outsized. Um, it seems a little crazy. Um, now, the whole thing I was hearing at the time, and I think this was like kind of the, the, uh, the thing they were operating under, is we're not just punishing you for what we can prove. It's for all the stuff we can't prove, too, which is uh, that's slippery logic. Um, but that's, I think, part of what played into this. But regardless, um, the NCAA is a completely corrupt and awful institution does not fairly enforce the rule book across the board. Because if it, it's one thing if, you know, they punish USC like that for this and that's just what it is. And then they go and do that to every other school who's doing anything untoward, but they didn't. Um, and so what it ended up being was just a, kind of a capricious penalty for USC, again, for what they could prove um, compared to what it is for the 
for basically everybody in the SEC, for one, as you noted with Auburn. So I think there's a lot of reason for USC fans to still feel some absolute rancor that this was um, unfair because I think compared to other punishments that have been handed out for what seemed like slightly more egregious offenses, or at least what could be proved among, among those offenses. Um, I, I, I think there's absolutely reason to think that's unfair. Um, but I, again, I don't think you're ever, ever, ever in a million years going to get sympathy from anyone else in the PAC 12. Yeah. Agree with you there. I think the sec too would be, I think if you're Alabama, you're getting punished. Like, yeah, Auburn's going to be happy. LSU is going to be happy, but I think the sec would, would try to protect and I don't think the Pac-12 tried to protect their their you know well and program. also also no one would ever punish the SEC. That's true. Yeah, it doesn't like it just doesn't happen. They're too powerful. To, yeah, like you don't you right. don't want to mess well, with them. Well, and they're and they're all cheating at like a very very similar level. <laughs> yeah, like they all are. Um, and so I don't think there's any interest in like really. And they're all well practiced at cheating too. Like if you read the whole I think Stephen Godfrey piece about bagmen in the South. It's. I mean, that's a whole little industry down there. Um, I just think they do it better than everybody else so they can keep it under wraps a lot easier. But they're cheating. I mean, they're cheating at an all-star level. And uh, I think that's, yeah, that's fine and good. I, I actually don't care about any of this. Um, but it would be nice if the NCAA just followed uh, real guidelines. Um, and if they can't enforce and if they can't investigate at a really effective level, level just don't. Whatever. Yeah. Have it be the Wild West and everybody can cheat and pay kids whatever they want and do all kinds of nefarious stuff. That's fine. I don't care. I don't care about any of this. I mean, it, it, you have a roster size that you can recruit to. And if you want to keep spending money to get your 85th guy into school, great. Who cares? <laughs> Who really cares? All right. Let's move on. We got Bobby wrote in. He said, Washington's schedule. Hey, guys. Came across this Washington schedule wallpaper. I find their marketing a little bit interesting for this football season. Thanks, Bobby. He includes the schedule, and I know you can't see this because this is an, an auditory medium. It's not visual, but there's a picture of Jake Browning, his eyes just staring straight ahead at you, full helmet, full full uniform, holding the football in front of his chest, right under the W uh, at, the, at his collar. It says here and now in some kind of futuristic like Tron font font in the bottom corner on the left side is the entire schedule all the the uh, home games are in bold and then under right along the seams of the football it says jake quote noodle arm browning <laughs> and it says purple rain and like a kind of font above that so uh, i'm not sure if this is an official wallpaper i'm assuming it is because it looks very official dave i don't know but that that does seem like an interesting choice of what they did yeah, I think we should absolutely make this the uh, the the photo for this week's show. Oh, I, I'll download it. I think it'll be good luck for uh, for for the Huskies this weekend. I like it. Um, I'm going to skip a couple of questions here. Go to a text message. Uh, this is from somebody. Uh, again, we don't save numbers, so we're idiots. Uh, is there any regret at UCLA for not being able to hold off the Colorado State University? The Colorado State University for grad transfer QB and all around great guy KJ Carter Samuels. It looks like they're building something special around him on offense at CSU while UCLA's offense remains a mystery. This was written before KJ Carter Samuels played against Hawaii. And again, his stats kind of lie about what he was doing in that game. Uh, when the game was competitive, 
He didn't look great. Uh, once Hawaii kind of dipped into a prevent, he started to tear up that defense. I think he's going to be fine there, um, but I don't really think UCLA is going to – I mean, maybe, but I don't think there are any deep regrets about which grad transfer QB they ended up with. Um, yeah, the Colorado State University. Well, you get to watch them this the, week. The, yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Do, I, do we want to – I think we have one more of this – there's an interesting one. Uh, bad quarterbacks and bad words. Uh, it says, uh, be greetings to yours from socialist utopia of Norway. Many blessings upon your livestock. So this should be interesting. As a Husky fan who is tired of most of the national media obsession with our noodle armed moron of a quarterback. <laughs> I gra- <laughs> this is awesome. I great. We'll have to end on this. I greatly enjoy all the Browning jokes on this podcast. I would even go so far as to say you guys were too diplomatic when discussing Browning in the last episode. He is not a top 10 QB in the PAC 12. I doubt he's one of the top 10 QBs on the Washington <laughs> roster. Jeez. This is, Norway, man. Uh, I would honestly prefer to see us run the wildcat on every play this year because we would be less likely to be tackled for a loss compared to when Browning scrambles because his first read doesn't have 30 yards of separation. (laughs) The heat coming from the great white north right now is incredible. Fuego. Uh, Let's see. How is it possible to start for three years and not get any better at running the offense? How is Browning still the same quarterback he was as a freshman? He has really not learned anything in three years, or he's simply so scared when the ball snapped that he forgets everything he's learned in that instant. Or has he, I'm sorry, has he really not learned anything in three years? Also, has no one in the national media watched Browning enough to know that he's not a Heisman candidate? Lastly, I would like to voice some support for 89 Ute in regards to the old shriveldick who hates curse words. It's that effing skeleton that decides to visit Norway. If that effing skeleton decides to ever visit Norway, I will have that tall glass of bleach waiting for him. Cheers and go F yourselves. That was nice. That was beautiful. That was a beautiful piece of poetry. Great note to end on. Um, We've got a full week of games coming up. I'm excited. I'm excited too, Dave. I think this should be... uh, some good stuff. I'm going to try to watch as much as I humanly can, as humanly possible. Uh, USC plays at one. So I'll be there early. I can probably watch some stuff on my iPad. There'll be some stuff on the TVs. I'll watch during the game. We'll try to watch afterwards. So catch as much of this as I can. Um, but I, you're at home. Do you have like five TVs set up so you can just watch everything at once? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm also going to be on kid duty on Saturday. So I need to set them up to like i don't know just watch princess and the frog on repeat for like 15 hours <laughs> while i just watch football all day i'm a good dad um i'm really good at it um so yeah i'm gonna have probably i i do like an ipad i do the 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 tv and usually i only do two things and i just toggle things on the tv between different games that i'm watching and whatever i have to focus on i actually have on the ipad Okay. which is kind of an interesting way of doing things, but it's easier to change channels than it is to change feeds. Um, so that's probably the setup I will go with. I like it. All right. Well, we picked our games. Let's see how wrong we are, and uh, we'll go from here. But this, we were back, Dave. We, we're like, we did that whole offseason. We did all kinds of crazy shows, all the previews. We didn't take months off, and now we're back in football season. 
Woohoo! Maybe it's great. We, maybe we just stop. We just ask ah, her. We we did the whole off season. We don't need to. We don't need to talk during the season. Actual games? No. We don't need yeah. those things. Okay. We don't need actual games. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to this weekend. Hope you are too. Uh, that is David Woods. I am Ryan Abraham. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Champions, and we will talk to you next time.